The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Amen. In the Word of God, we are given this guarantee that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful And he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the guarantee that we are given in the scripture. This is a declaration of forgiveness for you who come to Christ today, confessing your sins to him, that you are forgiven. It says also in the word of God that he will separate us from our sins as far as the east is from the west that they are no longer touching. So, dear Christian, if you confess your sins to Jesus today, he is forgiving you in this moment. I want to pray today for the church, uh, that we can be people that receive his word, we can be people that love him, I also want to pray as we enter this time of teaching uh, for the people in Lebanon who are so hurting right now and ask that you continue remembering them, not just today, but in the weeks, months, even years to come as they recover from the devastating um, explosion this last week. The word of God is never... Uh, never avoids these tragedies. And so as we're receiving uh, these words, even in a sermon series called Happy Thoughts, we can, we can see the world and the pain that's in it for what it is. We can find safety in his grace and in his truth. And because of the joy he gives us, the persisting joy We can go be peacemakers and joy makers in the world, even for those who have experienced tragedy. So with that, please pray with me. Father, thank you for your forgiveness. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we only approach you because you've invited us and we know we can come because of the holiness of Jesus that's ours because of his death and resurrection. Father, I pray that this morning you will give us ears to hear your word again. Give us eyes to see you. And as we hear your word, I pray that we'll act upon it to bring justice, to bring mercy to our community and to the world. God, we pray for your presence and peace in Lebanon, that your, your people will be ministers, both of reconciliation there, but also just of, of provision of resources, of medical supplies and food. And God, I pray that we'll be alert now to how we can respond as a refuge church, as individuals in it that we'll never hear a tragedy and think someone else can do something, but God, that you would move our hearts to do something, to do anything 
to be people that are your presence, your healing presence in the world. So I pray that you'll empower us by your spirit as we listen to your word right now. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We believe that the pursuit of joy does not lead us away from the places of pain. The pursuit of joy leads us along the way Jesus walked. To avoid the pain is to miss the way altogether. The way goes through the cross, but the cross is not the destination. In this sermon series, we invite you to rest your thought on and in Christ who shows us the path beyond the cross that continues to eternal joy. We invite you to rest your mind in these happy thoughts. These happy thoughts. What a time to be talking about happy thoughts. I feel like every week it's been almost hard to keep focused on happy thoughts because it's, it's always easy to, to look away at something that, that will, will cause us to turn our eyes from Jesus. I think of Peter in the water who, who was doing so well, he got out of the boat and was walking on water, success story, and then he saw the waves and diverted his attention. All of a sudden he started sinking. And I feel like many of us probably are, are in a similar place. We, maybe Sunday we hear the sermon or get to see friends or pray with somebody, whatever it is. And oh man, we're focused. Our, our, our thoughts feel so redeemed. And then our attention looks away and we find ourselves sinking again. We need help, don't we, in this? And there really is no help like the help of a good teacher. I think probably all of us can remember having a good teacher in our lives. Uh, we all also probably can remember having a lot of bad teachers, but since I'm preaching on happy thoughts, we'll focus on the good ones. Now, uh, I want to tell you the story of <clears throat> an amazing teacher I had. The year I graduated from college, I went back to Pullman after that summer where I had gone to university and I uh, had a number of jobs, but one of the jobs I had was working construction with uh, a very skilled carpenter. And uh, this guy didn't know me from anyone. I'd been a referral. Uh, this man actually wasn't a follower of Jesus. Um, people just knew I was looking for a job and so we got, we got connected. And I remember the very first job I did with this this guy named Soli. He was an Irishman and uh, I showed up and he, the job was already done. He just wanted me to clean up and I found out later this was sort of a test if I could clean well and so I, I remember he'd, he'd done some work on someone's um, garage that you kind of had to drive down below their house and, and so there, there was a bunch of uh, debris strewn around, so I was supposed to throw a bunch of uh, the, you know, the junk parts in a big dumpster and clean up. And so I swept. I remember taking a rake and I, I made everything look immaculate. And so I came and I got a call back, and that call back was to help make a, a, a deck. And so even there, I'd show up and uh, he didn't trust me with very much, but slowly 
Um, he entrusted me with more and more and more. And then we just did three projects together. The last one, remember, cleaning deck. And then the last one was we actually built an addition onto a home, a whole dining area onto a home. So we had to do framing. And um, I remember it was very slowly and methodically that Sully gave me responsibility. He was a good teacher because I didn't show up the first day and he didn't say, hey, frame this wall. I showed up the first day and he said, let me see if you can do a good job cleaning, something you know how to do. Let's see if you use a broom well. Let's see if you use a rake well. A good teacher doesn't just know content. They know how to show it. They just don't know what they know, why and how. And that is exactly what we need as we (laughs) wrap up our sermon series. We have this week and next week in this series, Happy Thoughts. And I think many of us are probably... Uh, after traveling through so many weeks of inspiring good thoughts, lovely, noble, pure thoughts, right thoughts. We're probably thinking, man, I'm so, we're so close to the end, but I don't know if anything's changed. I, I don't know if my thought process has changed. And I think that's because many of us, we expect words to be enough. Remember what a good teacher does isn't just giving content, isn't just giving words, but showing you how to do it. Right? Not just giving you the problem, but showing you the, the way to solve that problem. And Paul is a good teacher. And he shows us the way. He actually models that way himself. So before doubt enters and takes over and consumes you. The doubt that maybe happy thoughts are just wishful thinking. Maybe pastors just tell inspiring stories. Maybe all of this is just foolery, right? Before doubt enters and says, there are no such thing as really happy thoughts in this world. I want to offer you the how. How do we do this together? So before we dive into that, I, I want to read to you uh, just the full text that we're working with, starting in Philippians 4, verse 1, and going to verse 9. Therefore, brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Man, you can see it just kind of coming out of Paul. (laughs) He's, He's just a guy that has great thoughts. He's like, brothers and sisters, I love and long for you. My joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. It's just he, he, he's just expressing joy, happiness. But remember, remember, this was the first sermon I preached in this series. That is not, that is not without the context of conflict. Because he goes in and he says, I plead with Yodi, I plead with Syntyche to be in the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companions, help these women because they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of the co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. He says, please, he goes, I love you, I long for you. My joy, my crown, you, you are that. But there's conflict. I see it. He goes, I, I know these, these two individuals, they are in conflict together. Man, your names are written in the book of life, but your, your thinking is not happy, right? Your thinking is against one another. You're full of struggle and contention. So he says this, he goes on and he says, 
So rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what will happen? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, isn't that good? He's like, you're, you're in conflict. And even in that conflict, you can rejoice. Even in anxiety, you can rejoice. And you can present those things to God. And what happens? The result of that is that God sweeps you up and you'll have peace that transcends all that. All this conflict, you'll have peace. God will literally lift you up above it and give you peace. So finally... Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then this is our focus today. Verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. So, Big question, is it possible to think happy thoughts? And the answer is this, yes. Yes, it is possible, but you must learn how. Yes, but. (laughs) It is possible, but you have to learn how. You have to learn how. You have to learn from a good teacher. You have to follow the model. And if you do that, the result is everything you ever wanted. Seems like quite a promise, right? The result is everything you've ever wanted. So, so follow with me here. It is possible, but you must learn. Well, we have a good teacher in Paul. Paul gives us a model, and that model is himself. This is point number one, a model, and that model is a person, and that model is Paul. Now, that might surprise you that that model is Paul right? You might think, Paul would say, now Jesus. Now Paul talks obviously a ton about Jesus, but in, in the, it might be helpful to think of this in terms of 1 Corinthians eleven two, where Paul says, follow my example as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And so Paul is using himself as an example because I think a lot of times we're like, well, I'm not Jesus because Jesus was perfect. Well, Paul was not perfect, but Paul is the model. How how does that happen? Well, we see him as the model in his life, in his writings. I I think of Colossians 3, where he says, set your mind on things of above, not earthly things. This is the way Paul thought. 2 Corinthians, he says, I'm pressed, but not crushed. I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. He says, I'm struck, (laughs) literally, I'm beat up, but I'm not destroyed. Why? It says, because he carries in him Jesus. That's why. So much so that later in 2 Corinthians, after Paul says he was given a temptation, this thorn in the flesh, and Jesus simply comes and he says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. We see in Paul this model who is constantly being called back to Jesus and, and happy thoughts. Paul's sharing from his experience and why this is so helpful for us having this model is because Paul was not a good man. (laughs) The first time we meet Paul, his name is actually Saul. 
in the book of Acts, <clears throat> we are introduced to Saul as he's standing over Stephen, giving approval to Stephen, who loves Jesus, giving approval to Stephen's death, being murdered because he believes in Jesus. And it says, Saul went on from there, and, and this is literally what it says in, uh, in Acts Chapter 9, verse 1, it says he went about breathing out murderous threats. That's Saul. Saul was breathing. Saul's thoughts were not happy thoughts. Saul's thoughts were murder against Christians, murdering Christians. That is what his thinking was. So how does he become a happy thinker? How does he become a model for happy thinking when it's like he would have been the model as Saul for what we don't want our kids to grow up and be? This is such a great story of redemption and it is such a great story for us to know because I think many of us who are like, man, I can't be Jesus. Well, we don't want to be Saul, but we want to be Paul. So what happened in that transformation of his life? Well, Saul met Jesus. That's, that's simply it. Saul met Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 7 to 10, uh, Paul writes this after his name became Paul. He says, And last of all, Jesus appeared to me as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That's who he was. He was, I don't even deserve this. Man, how many of us, like, even us who people look at and you're like, man, they're such good people. Are like, I don't deserve, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to think happy thoughts because I know what I am. I know what I've done. Listen to this. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. That's Paul's story. Man, I don't deserve this, but God has been so gracious to me. He's taken my, my wicked thinking and, he, and he's filled me with joy. He's taken me from being a murderer to a life giver. That's who Paul is now. Earlier in Philippians 3, he, he tells the same story. He says, if someone else thinks that they can put confidence in the flesh, I have more reason to do that. And he just tells people who he was. He was a very proud man. And he did everything that he, he felt like the law of God had said. But then he says this. He says, but whatever was my gain, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. I, can, I, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And to be found in him, not having righteousness, righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And he simply goes on, he just says, I want to know Jesus. I just want to know Jesus. That's this transformation that happens in Paul. And that's what makes him a model. Not that he was perfect, but that he was perfected by grace. And, and he, listen, he said, and not that that grace proved vain in me. It's not like that grace just happened. He goes, I worked harder than everyone to fully receive everything that God has for me. And, and he says this in, in Philippians. He says, I press on 
to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. I, I press on to take hold of it. That's what he wants, and that's why he is such a good model. And so in both the things he says and the way he acts, he offers himself to these uh, Christians in, in Philippi, and he says this, what you have learned, received, heard, or seen in me put into practice. My life, do that. How can he say it? Because he is all for Jesus. His thoughts have been transformed. And so we can look at his word and his character. And why this is, again, just so hopeful and helpful for us is because Paul was a major screw-up. Saul was a major screw-up. And even, even as Paul, he, he wrestled with, with old thinking, old habits. But as Paul offers himself as a teacher, follow me as I follow Jesus, we can learn from him. And, and how we do that is by personal practice. Now, I think, I think we don't talk about this enough in the, in the church as, as Christians with one another. I think we, we oftentimes just talk about the, the moment where we, the grace of God just proved effective in our lives and we realized that we confessed to God and he said, you're forgiven. You're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. And now we need to talk about what it looks like to practice that new life. Like Paul said, he goes, man, when the grace was given to me, I worked harder. And that's what he offers to us. You must practice. Literally, you must form new habits. Now, I read this really helpful book this, this last week called The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. It's, it's about um, organizational leadership and uh, a fascinating book. What I was so helpful by the, by the end of the book, he, he boiled down what he was saying to, he said there's two different types of leaders, two different types of people really, I think. He said reward-centered or responsibility-centered. And the example he gave for that was this. He says, now imagine someone has worked hard their whole life um, playing football, right? They're wide receiver, they're super gifted, and finally they land that big contract in the NFL. Now, the reward-centered football player would say, I've made it. I'm going to kick back. I'm just going to let my life play out from here. And that person... And we've seen this over and over again, right? That person, their, their career, their talent, even as a football player, will tank, right? Why? Because they believed this was their reward. Now the responsibility-based player will come in and, and they will still be hungry, hungry to play well, hungry to be a part of a team, hungry to, to do all that they are called to do as a wide receiver. And I, and I think this is so helpful for us because we have responsibilities as a Christian, as children in the kingdom of God. We know that it's by grace we are saved through faith. But then we don't know what to do when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. We're like, but I thought it was just by grace through faith. <laughs> he said, yeah. But then I've shown you how to live and grow in your faith. And we're like, but I just felt like I arrived. Paul's saying, put these things into 
practice. Grow in your faith. Man, please, please, please. Christian, if you are struggling with old habits, old thinking, realize because you need to form new habits. You need to partner with the grace that's been given to you. That's where Paul says, not I, but the grace that's in me. He's like, but I took that and I worked harder than anyone because I want to obey his commandments. I want to think his thoughts. I want to live like Jesus. Once you've been saved, you don't become this like automated Christian that's just like rocking friendship, right? And like awesome husband, like I'm such a great person. I'm always going to do the good thing. That's not the way it works. God has given you a, a new way of living and he's empowering you by the spirit to do that. But you must walk it out. You must practice. So much so that by the grace of God, may that become habit and second nature. To be loving, joyful, patient, kind, good people. By the grace of God, may we do that. May we practice these things. Because the promise of this, this is what you've always wanted. The peace of God. If we walk in his way, if we practice his way, we will walk in his peace. And what a promise that peace is. This is, I just, I want to just simply give you, this is, pretty much textbook. This is pretty much the, the dictionary definition of this word peace that we're given in the text. This is what it means. Harmony. All these things. Harmony between you and others. Harmony between nations. Friendliness. Freedom from harm. Order in the church. Harmony between God and people. A sense of rest and contentment. That's, that's a powerful word, right? That is a powerful word that this word can be used by going, man, People coming together, us loving God and, and understanding how much he loves us, getting a sense of contentment, nations being at rest and peace with one another. This is a powerful word, and is not that a happy thought? I don't think there's a happier thought. And yet, instead of that, many of us feel lost. We feel in this, this wilderness. Our hearts are a mess of competing affections, and our minds are jumbles of doubt and conflicting thoughts, right? If we're in that place, that unhappy place, how do we experience his peace? It's by being found in him and walking in his way. Guys, we cannot do whatever we want and expect to enjoy the peace of God. We can't. And I'm preaching to myself. I, this isn't me going, you need to do this. It's like, man, let's, let's spur one another on towards love and good deeds, like it says in the Bible. Let's, let's provoke one another to... to uh, action, to holy action, to walk in the way of Jesus. Remember where Paul started this whole chapter. He says this, stand firm in the Lord. Be found in him. This is where it starts. It starts by relocating ourselves. You remember that? Remember when we talked about this? 
by relocating ourselves from the place where we are king, where we are in control, where we do whatever we want, and, and we relocate ourselves to the place where Jesus is Lord and Savior. We relocate ourselves to a place where it's not our will, but his will that we want done. We relocate ourselves to a place where where we use our time, not for everything we want to do, but we're using our time to build his kingdom and pray that his kingdom would come and, and we want to be part of that, that we would stand firm in him. So, is it possible to think happy thoughts? Well, we see in Paul, yes. We see it's possible to go from a murderer to a life giver. (laughs) We see it's possible to go from someone who was completely on the wrong path to someone who was on the right path. Guys, if your heart right now feels hard or confused, if your thoughts feel jumbled, know that you're not at a loss. Jesus has come to rescue you and give you happy thoughts. If you would relocate yourself from it all being about you to it all being about him, right? From it being self-righteousness to Jesus' righteousness. How do we participate in this? How do we participate in this like Paul did when he said, it was the grace of God that saved me and then I worked hard to fully enjoy that. Not I, but the grace of God in me. I'm not taking credit, he's saying, but man, I I was about Jesus' way from that point on. Well, um, Jake is gonna be preaching next week on um, the next portion of Philippians which is also very helpful with this big verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how we can do it. And we're gonna go from that into a short series on just what we're calling the five commitments. Um, And this is something that will be a part of our church and, and my hope is a part of our personal lives. And I, I offer this with um, with the knowledge that, that I'm not, um, with the knowledge that we're going to struggle with this, but I believe God is calling us to these five commitments. <laughs> I believe reading the scripture, you can see this. And it's simply this, five commitments. And let me read them. This isn't a magic path. But I believe if we commit these things together, we will find ourselves making breakthroughs personally. I believe we'll find ourselves living in the way of Jesus, in ways we've just not experienced. Um, I think for many of us who are like, man, I, I, I would say I'm saved, but I'm just not living the vibrant life. Uh, I think with these five commitments and, and helping one another do them, we're gonna experience great health as a church. I think we'll experience many, many happy thoughts personally as a church. These are the five commitments. The first is this. Set aside one time each day for prayer, verse memorization, and worship. Set aside one time a day. It can be five minutes, it can be 15 minutes that I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna gonna read a portion of scripture and commit it to heart. (laughs) 
And I'm going to worship. That could be just listening to a worship song. It could be just singing a song of worship. It could be every day singing Amazing Grace. The second commitment is this. Mark two times on your calendar each month to fast for half a day. Now, some of you might be like, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to fast for a whole day. That's fine. I'm, 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 this, is, this is simply for us to start doing these habits that refocus our hearts and refocus our thinking. And, and why we fast is because we're saying, God, I hunger for you more than I hunger for anything else. I struggle with jealousy. I struggle with envy. I mean, I struggle just like wanting all these other desires and, and fasting is a way to saying, God, I desire you more. I desire you more. The third thing is this, find somewhere to volunteer three hours each month. <laughs> the reason for this is we are, are meant to love our neighbor as ourself. This is a fulfilling of the commands of God, is to do this, to, to love our neighbor. And, and it, can, it can be in, in a lot of different ways. It could be, man, I'm gonna come help Sean for three hours every month just to know like I'm, I'm helping I'm part of building community it could be that man I feel good or I'm going to go to the, the food bank and help it could be I'm going to mentor a youth I'm going to help with the crisis line you could be like I'm going to I'm going to volunteer more than three hours do that but I'm just saying start to give your life away because greater love is no one than this that he laid down his life for a friend this is a way of doing that four Tell four people about Jesus each month. Tell four people about Jesus each month. What do I mean by that? I mean, like, find, like, how many of you right now are already thinking, like, man, I just don't even know four people that don't know Jesus, right? Or you're like, I don't even go out anymore. Well, you probably have Facebook friends. I don't know. You probably have people on your phone that you could just start texting. You might have family that just doesn't know Jesus. Be intentional about it. Stop making excuses. Seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came. And he's inviting you to that same way, that same path. And how many of us are wondering, why don't I feel more urgency? Why don't I love my neighbor more? Why don't I care about the souls of the people around me? It's because we aren't working at it. We expect our lives just to be changed, just to be different, that, that we, we receive the grace of God and we just go and we're just like better. Guys, God's giving us this opportunity. And so these five commitments, right, this isn't a magic path. This is a way for us to have language around holy habits and us to help one another in this way. The fifth is this, read and journal five days a week. Read and journal in the Bible five days a week. The word of Christ will dwell in you richly. That you will know the commands of Jesus. In, in my two-week vacation with Hannah, our little baby moon, I, I kept coming back to the words of Jesus, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. And I just was so challenged by that. If, if someone were to say, what are the commands of Jesus? Could I just say, man, this is what he's asking of me. This is what he's demanding of my life. He gave his life for mine. He has redeemed it. I'm now his. 
What is he asking me to do? And, and so when we read and we journal in the scripture is to commit his commands and his words to our hearts. Because how many of us, how many of us wonder if we're on the right road? How many of us are, are like, learn the hard way? Now the point of a good teacher is to make it so you don't have to learn the hard way, right? The point of a good teacher is so you don't have to learn the hard way. Imagine getting sat down in, you know, algebra class and just being handed a book. Figure it out. That isn't what God has done. God isn't just going, you're saved, now figure it out. He's given you his word and he's given you his spirit. And as we spend time with him, he will make himself known to us commit ourselves to do that. So um, we will post on Facebook these five commitments. We're going to keep talking about them. We're going to do a sermon series as to how we live this out. And, and before you email me and are like, it's by faith we're saved. No, I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe we are saved by grace through faith. That's the only way we're saved. But do you feel like you're successful at being a Christian? <laughs> And what I mean by that is experiencing his joy, experiencing his life. Are you going out and sharing that faith with other people? Do you have happy thoughts? Are you a peacemaker in the world? And if, if you are, are wrestling with that, my, my guess is because you expected, like you were drafted into the family of God and you're just a pro. That's not the way it works. We're invited into his family. We're infants in the faith and he's inviting us to grow in maturity in him. And I, and I think if we really commit to these things together, we're gonna see radical change in ourselves personally. We're gonna see radical change in the church. I think we'll see radical change in our community because we're gonna be going and sharing our faith, like figuring out how to talk about Jesus with people, you know? Man, what a blessing that will be in our own lives and the lives of those around us. Jesus has given his life for us. Jesus has given his life for us and he invites us to give our lives also. Jesus says, if you follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and come. Now we're gonna share communion together as a church and we're gonna share communion together every week as a church, whether we are gathered here or we are scattered in different homes. And the reason we are doing that is because we cannot be separated anymore. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and there's a spiritual bond that cannot separate us from one another, even if we're in our individual homes. And so we're gonna share this as the people of God together remembering the night that Jesus was betrayed. Betrayed in the worst way possible by those closest to him. But in that moment where he knew he was gonna be betrayed, he, he took the basic elements of the meal. He took the bread and the wine and he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he just gave a visual of that. This is, my body is gonna be broken for you. In the same way, he, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He's going to make something fully new happen. And so church, whenever we take this, we remember him.
but he challenges you. He says, don't take this ever in an unworthy manner. How do you do that? Doing this in an unworthy manner is if you still have sin in your heart, if you are not confessing to Jesus, if you haven't confessed to someone you've done wrong to. So I encourage you, if you, if you need to wait and go make it right with God and make it right with others, do that. If you're ready to come, come to the table. It is for you. Let me pray for us and then we'll take together. Father, thank you for giving your best, your own life for us. God, we confess that we have often not given our best to you and yet just expected that you'll keep giving your best to us. God, and we pray that by your mercy, you'll give us a fresh vision of what it means to live the Christian life. God, for all who make these commitments, I pray you'll give us courage to keep walking in them. We, we know we're not gonna be, be perfect in them. We know whenever we fall, you're gonna keep calling, come, come, come. Even when we betray you, you're gonna say, come, come, come. So we come now to enjoy this meal with you together. Amen. Blessings.